Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T, and I hope you're all having a great day. As you can hear, I'm still under the weather, but I'm carrying on. True crime doesn't stop for anybody. The Habersham County Sheriff's Office held a press conference early this morning on the status of the Debbie Collier case. If you've been following the case, you know that 59-year-old Debbie Collier was found deceased three weeks ago on September 11th at the bottom of an embankment 60 miles from her home in Athens, Georgia. She was discovered on the ground without her clothes on with one hand clutching the base of a small tree and her abdomen was charred. Collier was captured on CCTV on Saturday, September 10th, buying items at a family dollar store in Clayton, Georgia. No one yet knows why Debbie was shopping so far from home and why many of the items she purchased were found near her remains. During the press conference this morning, the Habersham County Sheriff's Office detectives, who, by the way, seem to have their act together, unlike some sheriff's offices we've seen recently, namely in Box Elder in Utah and Hawkins County in Tennessee, hmm, had the following information to share on the Collier case. One, they've served multiple search warrants to several cell phone carriers, and they're hoping that data from the devices will help them establish a tighter timeline about what exactly happened on September 10th and September 11th to Debbie Collier. I'm going to say that I'm sure they're looking at Debbie's daughter's cell phone, probably her son Jeffrey's cell phone, her husband Stephen Collier's cell phone, and probably daughter Amanda's on-again, off-again boyfriend as well. And the authorities stated that they have not ruled anyone out. They were unwilling to name names as to whose cell phone data exactly was being requested. They say that they don't want to show their hand until they have the facts. They also said that they still do not know for certain who the they in the Venmo note refers to, as in the note that said, they are not going to let me go. Two, the authorities stated that they've obtained additional footage from the parking lot where the Family Dollar Store is located in Clayton, Georgia. There are more businesses in the shopping center, and they have provided their video footage as well. From the additional footage, the authorities now know that Debbie Collier was in her 2022 rental Chrysler Pacifica van an additional 10 minutes after exiting the family dollar store. So they're now saying that Collier was in the store from 2.54 p.m. on Saturday, September 10th until 3.10 p.m. So that's a total of 14 minutes. 
After exiting the store, Debbie spent from 3.10 p.m. until 3.19 p.m. sitting in the van in the parking lot. At 3.19 p.m., Debbie drove out of the parking lot and headed southbound on Georgia 15. That is the main four-lane highway toward Tallulah Falls. Note that this is a very heavily traveled highway and the authorities are hoping to get additional video footage from businesses and other entities along that route from September 10th and September 11th. Law enforcement is saying the last time Debbie Collier was seen alive was at 3.19 p.m., when she drove out of that parking lot. Note that school zone cameras picked up Debbie and the van traveling past the Tallulah Falls school campus on Saturday, September 10th at 2.17 p.m. This must have been when Debbie was heading to the Family Dollar Store in Clayton. According to Google Maps, it should take about 17 minutes to drive from the Tallulah Falls School to that family dollar store in Clayton, Georgia. So Debbie should have arrived at the store at approximately 2.34 p.m., barring any traffic issues or any other stops that she might have made along the way. Three, the authorities still believe that this is a homicide, and they've ruled out kidnapping and self-harm, and they stated this, there is no information or evidence that shows that this was something random. They believe it was deliberate and personal and targeted. To me, that says that they believe it is an acquaintance of Debbie Collier's or a family member who is our most likely the perpetrators or perpetrator. That's me speculating, by the way. I'm not accusing anyone. Number four, the Venmo for the $2,835 was indeed sent to Debbie's daughter, Amanda Bearden, but the authorities are still investigating from which device that transaction was made. I'm wondering now, since they mentioned it, could someone else's phone have been used to make that money transfer? It sounds like the police are definitely considering that. Five, the authorities are still awaiting the full autopsy and toxicology reports. They were told that it would take six weeks. It's now been three weeks. So I guess we can assume that we should have it within the next three weeks. That will let them know, hopefully, if Debbie Collier was alive when the perpetrator or perpetrators burned her body. Is that why Debbie was clutching the base of the tree? Was she trying to pull herself away somehow? The authorities said that they will hold another press conference once they get the full autopsy and the toxicology reports. Six, the blue purse that Debbie is seen with in the family dollar store was found with her remains at the crime scene along with her cell phone. 
So that purse was not returned to the Collier's home. That particular blue purse, which Debbie is clearly seen with in the store, was found at the crime scene. Law enforcement did not say, however, if the purse was found inside the rental van or if it was near Debbie's remains. The police also stated that the majority of the items Debbie purchased at the Family Dollar Store were at the crime scene. 7. Debbie's daughter, 36-year-old Amanda Bearden, had apparently moved from Maryland where she was living in the same apartment complex as her brother, Jeffrey, back to Athens, Georgia, where Debbie and her husband, Stephen, were living on Thursday, September 8th, so just two days before Debbie was reported missing. It is unclear at this time if Amanda let her mother know in advance of her move back home or if she just showed up unannounced. Amanda told the authorities that her mother was at the family dollar store to buy cleaning supplies for her, meaning for Amanda. Now, I find that odd because the only item that Debbie purchased that you would consider a cleaning item are the paper towels. Eight, per the authorities, Amanda Bearden told them that she last spoke to her mother, Debbie, by phone on Saturday afternoon. So that would be Saturday, September 10th in the afternoon. Nine, Debbie's husband, Stephen Collier, was indeed working for Synovus Bank as a parking lot attendant on Saturday, September 10th from 9 a.m. until 4.06 p.m. The authorities have confirmed that Mr. Collier was seen on video between those hours. Note that Stephen Collier was contracted to help with parking on the days the Georgia Bulldogs football team played home games. 10. The authorities are saying Debbie could have been alive when she went down the embankment to where her body would later be found. 11. That area down the embankment is part of the U.S. National Forest land. 12. The authorities are still trying to determine just how long Debbie's rental van was parked off the side of the highway and if it left and came back at any time. They know the van was there for certain on Sunday, September 11th. They don't yet know if it was there on Saturday. As we know, Debbie Collier was seen at the Family Dollar Store in Clayton, Georgia, about 60 miles driving distance north of Athens, where she lived with Stephen. Her body was found in Clarksville, Georgia, more than 50 miles north of Athens. So the question is, why did she travel so far to this family dollar store when there is one right in Athens, Georgia? Note that the Georgia Bulldogs football team play at Sanford Stadium in Athens, Georgia. The stadium is on the University of Georgia campus. 
Now, in other news on the case, a photo has emerged of Debbie Collier with injuries to her face. She shared the photo on social media and said that she'd sustained the injuries in a fall. I've included that photo in this video. Also, we now know that some of the information that Stephen Collier shared in his call to 911 to report his wife Debbie missing contradicts what Debbie's daughter, Amanda Bearden, wrote in a missing persons report she filed on September 10th. In his 911 call, Stephen tells the dispatch operator that Debbie's daughter, Amanda, told him that she went upstairs in their house and found her mother's purse up there with her driver's license in it. But in the missing persons report that Amanda filed, she claimed that her mother did not take anything with her but her driver's license and her credit card. So is this a simple mistake on Amanda's part due to the stress of the situation, or is she having trouble keeping the story straight? Or did Stephen Collier get that wrong? We know that stories don't change when people are telling the truth, so it definitely is suspicious. Now, while the investigators haven't named any persons of interest or suspects yet, it definitely looks like their focus may be towards Debbie's acquaintances and family members. And I would say personally that in my opinion, it looks like they're considering Amanda and or Amanda's ex or on again, off again boyfriend. But again, that's just me speculating and everyone is innocent until proven guilty. Now, if you have any credible tips on Debbie Collier's case, you are asked to call 706-839-0560 or 706-839-0559. The detective said any and all tips are welcome. How refreshing to see a sheriff's office that is so responsible, so transparent, and so proactive as they go about trying to figure out what exactly happened. Box Elder Sheriff's Office in Utah and the Hawkins County Sheriff's Office in Tennessee should watch and learn. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories, now do me a favor, smash that like button, leave me a comment, and please subscribe to my channel if you have not yet done so.